0: Why are men great? So they gotta be great. Woo! Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Rebuilding. This is Missy. This is Crimson. And today we have the coolest guest ever. We have Joni Jenkins here. Joni, say hi.
1: Hi. Uh, and
0: to be clear, it is Representative Joni Jenkins.
1: Oh, yes. I apologize. Are you
0: also a colonel?
1: I am a Kentucky right. Colonel. It's all well and good till we declare war on Tennessee <laughs> and you get called up.
0: <laughs> so we have Representative Colonel Joni Jenkins, uh, the first uh, female leader of the, uh, the State House uh, Democratic Caucus, uh, first uh, majority female caucus, and then the first all minority leadership. Who won the world?
2: lot of first journey it's a lot it's a lot of yeah. first
1: and it only took till 20 you know 20 to do it <laughs> yeah
2: I mean well that's something I'm so curious about so you got an office in 95 correct is that your entry correct. year correct. so I'm from Los Angeles and that's about the time I moved to Kentucky and it was really weird being a transplant because from California Kentucky just looked like a red state, right? Like I was like, Oh my gosh, where are we moving? Like, this is what people warned me about. But then when we got here, it was blue at a more (laughs) local and state level. And yes, at that young of an age, I was that nerdy and I kept track of that kind of thing. And so I've been, I'm, I, my biggest question and my biggest curiosity for you is just how you've been able to sustain such positive energy and momentum. And um, I don't know, be in the fight with that kind of flip. Like it has really flipped on you since 1995. I don't
1: know if you want to tell us about that journey. (laughs) Well, you know, in in 1995, there were very few women. Uh, We had a very small caucus in either party Uh, of women. Um, The Democrats had a supermajority in the House and the Senate and we had the governors. Uh, So things have changed. But coming from a pretty liberal area and being very liberal myself, I've always felt like I was in the minority of the majority at that time. And, um, you know, some of the things that, um, uh, were so sexist that, you know, kind of rolled over my head a little bit and, and today still do because I'm so used to kind of that, um, that, that environment. Um, I think for me, the pivot from being in the majority to the minority was not as hard as it was for like the white guys. That makes sense. Um, that's interesting. You know, I, I learned really early on if I wanted to get something done, a lot of times I couldn't go in that you know that straight linear you know way that I'd have to you know get build coalitions and you know kind of go over and under and around sometimes and then in the middle of my service the the numbers got closer the democrats were still in control but it got much closer and then the senate flipped so it was very important to work across i the work across the aisles if something you could probably get it passed from the house but you really had to work with Republicans in the house to help you over the Senate. So I learned, you know, how to, to work across the aisle and build, you know, partnerships. And uh, I always tell people that, you know, I've, I've kind of seen it all. I've seen the Democrats in the supermajority, I've seen the Republicans in the super majority. And, but the sweet spot for me has always been that those years that the Senate was controlled by Republicans, the house was controlled by Democrats, but the numbers were really close and you really had to work um, with everybody. And you had to bring everybody around the table and really talk about things and really, you know, find compromise, find common ground. And that's the part of this job that I really like the most. That's the part that, you know, when you think we cannot come to an agreement, we just cannot get this done. And then something breaks loose and you think about things in way you, you, ways you might never have before, and you come up with what I think is really good policy. Uh, for me, the 2015 heroin bill was one of those um, uh, 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 situations, and um, you know, we had you know, Senate Democrats, Senate uh, Republicans, and uh, House Rep- Republicans in with the with the Democrats, and. Sometimes it was the Senate against the, the House, and sometimes it was the Republicans against the Democrats. Um, it couldn't be the men against the women because I was the only woman in the room. So. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, they all talked about um, preg- pregnant women with addictions, and I said, Look, ain't none of us in this room had a baby. So, you know, we can't be making
2: these decisions. That can be a great equalizer at that point. But I I think you bring up
1: such a good point
2: because I think a lot of people assume that Democrats or liberals want some kind of like liberal utopia. But I think that I agree with you. I think those are the moments that really make us a better country is when we're forced into that bipartisanship because- no one owns the right answer. Like it's collaborating. And in this hyper-polarized world that we're living in now, we're getting worse policy as a result because we aren't being forced to have the hard conversations. And I would even argue that it's going on and extending where we're losing those skill sets entirely. And that's even more depressing to bring in not only the people that are coming into office are coming in this hyper polarized world where they have no experience having to be bipartisan, but there also there's no models of how to do it anymore, and that's really concerning. So I agree with you. Like I think that's something a lot of us miss and a misconception. I don't know if Republicans agree with us, but I know as a Democrat, like I miss debating that 3% tax difference, (laughs) like we need to tax corporations 3% more, like I miss those boring arguments, and having to really be data and fact driven versus, you know, well, this is what the party line says, and this is what we're going to do.
1: Yeah, I love that challenge of, oh gosh, this is what I believed, and this is like what, what I've built kind of my value around, and now you're introducing this new whole concept to me, And it makes me, you know, really look at my, my uh, stance on it and, and make sure that I really am where I think I am. And, you know, many times the the answer is there. It's just kind of talking it out and looking at each other across the the table. And, um, you know, I think we've gotten to a point where in order for me to win, you have to lose everything. Yeah. And vice versa. And I, I I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good for government. I don't think it's good for our communities because I think women tend to be much better at finding win-win mm. solutions. Yeah. Uh, I can give in here. Can you give in here? And then we can get this done. Did you
0: have like a favorite moment from this past uh, session of like working across the aisle with someone or, or something else that you accomplished?
1: Um, you know, there, there were some... Um, there were times during the session that they needed the Democrats, which we didn't anticipate, you know, there are 75 of them, you know, um, but there, there, were, there were a couple of real, there were a couple of kind of funny things that happened. Um, uh, one of them, one of the last days, um, we, we had a bill that somebody put an amendment on and the bill handler, who was a, a fairly new Republican, called for a point of order and then, you know, we all go up there. All the leadership goes up from both sides, goes up there. And we start, you know, kind of figuring out how we're going to handle this. And I just looked at the guy who made the point of order. And I said, you know, this would be, just be a whole lot easier if you just withdrew your point of order. And he looked at me and went, okay. And everybody went, <laughs> okay. And we all walked back to our, our our desk. And my general counsel said, I don't know that you can withdraw a point of order. And I'm like, nobody else knows that. <laughs> It's done now. So it's done, you know, and then, and then we, we had another one of those like five minutes later and the speaker looked at me and I said, Mr. Speaker, I can't solve all your problems. <laughs> oh, that's classic. That's awesome. <laughs> but we, we, you know, there, there were, uh, over, um, the no knock wars you know, we, we, I of course supported the house version of it, which was, uh, authored by, um, representative Attica Scott. She was on the ground in Louisville. She was very much a part of that movement, and I really felt like her bill should move. Um, and I tried to express that to to the Senate um, uh, President and and the Speaker of the House, and said, you know, it's a way to help. Louisville Hill, I think we could work on some compromise language, uh, but I really think it should be the House bill. I lost that, but uh, was part of a, a group from my caucus that negotiated the bill that finally did pass. Was it what we wanted? No. Um, but I thought it was really important to have movement on that issue. Not only yeah. was Kentucky looking at us, Louisville looking at us, you know, the world was looking at us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we made. Um, we made Senate Bill Four a better bill. It wasn't a great bill, but it was a better bill. We were able to incorporate parts of Rep. Scott's bill into it. wasn't perfect, but you know, at you know the last Tuesday at you know noon before we <laughs> yeah. you know, had eleven hours to go, you know, I I I, it, I think that was I think I think that was a success, you know, given. Where we were and what we were up against.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, just moving the needle a little bit uh, always helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, politics is just constantly mm-hmm. compromise and and taking baby steps mm-hmm. and just trying to head in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of things. You know, we we remember those big splashy, you know, big ominous bills, yeah. or omnibus. That's oh, not ominous. Omnibus bills, um, but most things happen in increments mm-hmm. that you, you start building the case and you make a few adjustments and, and you come back and come back and come back. Um, so, you know, I think um, the issue of policing in Kentucky and in this country are not going away. Uh, those are they're, um We will be looking at these issues further, I think. I hope. I think we need to. Um, so we made a first step.
2: Yeah, and and it was a first step with bipartisanship, right? I mean, it, I think that's part of it too. We can't do this alone, and we should all be united. And finding those little pieces of shared values only—it's planting seeds in your garden, right? You're, you're, yeah. you're slowly trying to do that, and I think it's hard, especially. With younger generations where you know you don't even have to wait for your film to get developed to get your pictures like (laughs) we want we want change we want it now right now Mm -hmm. and incrementalism is just such a foreign concept when we Mm -hmm. have instant gratification in almost every aspect Mm -hmm. of our life it's really hard to pivot to politics and be like oh wait you don't get that now you know and so any any step forward is a step forward Mm -hmm. and the more republicans that come along with us I think is more progress than we give it credit.
1: You know, I think when you when you first initially start with a piece of legislation, uh, there's a really good chance that you're going to be very bold, that you're you're going to like this is this is the most perfect thing and this is where I want to go, um, but you know it's hard to negotiate up. You negotiate down. Yeah. So you know, always when it when new legislators are asking me about, you know, I'm like, well, you start up here. And hopefully you don't have to go all the way down here. Hopefully you just come down a little bit. But I think, you know, it's important to see that vision. Yeah. And I think for people looking, watching us are like, oh my gosh, you started up here. Why are we here?
0: Those people don't understand how lucky we are just not to have every sewer bill (laughs) turn into a pension bill. Yes
2: it's so true. <laughs> well, it is true because we are in a kind of a regressive state not just in Kentucky, but nationally in our politics and our values and and our our ability to work across the aisle. We are regressing and not progressing. So anything, no matter how small of a victory it is, anything that's progressing us forward with unity is going to be vital to us sustaining a democracy. Period. I mean, it, it, we have to
1: you know, one of one of our big challenges, I think, this last session, you know, in addition to the numbers, I mean, you know, we were pretty devastated by uh, the end of the election going down to 25, I mean, 25 to 75. I, I don't think any of us anticipated yeah. that. But with the pandemic and closing off the Capitol and the annex to visitors and a lot of folks were voting from their offices to, to keep safe, um, I think one of our big challenges was to make sure that we were keeping um, the the general assembly as transparent and open as we could. That um, it was very important to us that things were debated in in the open, that questions were asked, and and you know that got met with with some resistance from the majority from time to time, uh, especially in the latter days of the session when. They really tried to push through a whole lot of bills, without much public comment, without um, a whole lot of debate, and um, you know we saw we saw what I think in my opinion some really bad things happened to our open records laws, and some some really. Um, pieces that I think are going to live for a while that that, you know, changing the structure of power between the executive and and other branches and uh, the constitutional officers kind of moving those responsibilities around. You know, that's something that that um, I think um, may not may not age well, that that in years uh, to come, things may go back and, and, you know, people say, what were they thinking? Yeah. Give the give the commissioner of ag all this responsibility. What were they thinking? Well, they were thinking um, about his run for governor in 2023. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I think I said, I think I said a couple times on the floor of the house, just because you can do something doesn't mean you ought to. Yeah. Exactly. That's a <laughs> That's rule of thumb that you have in, to think in all of. life, right? <laughs> you know, you have to think about the institution and, and certainly, I mean, you know, Kentucky's been around for a while. Our constitution has been around for a while and it is okay to, to talk about those things and to debate them. But I think when you make some of those changes, you really have to think about what it's gonna look like in five years and 10 years. and. and so forth
0: yeah that's fair it, it was definitely noticed that uh you know all of all of you guys were trying to be as transparent as possible you know we were all following you know the speeches on the floor as well as the social media like the the twitter and facebook mm-hmm. game of many members of your caucus are on point mm-hmm. uh your your social mm-hmm. media is great i follow josie raymond you know attica of course rachel or she'll hate us forever if we don't mm-hmm. um but you guys are <laughs> just like so informational and, and keeping us up to date and it's just very appreciated appreciated
1: I mean, is this the most amazing caucus you've ever seen? 20, I mean, there's, you know, 25. I wish there were more, but I got to tell you, everybody is out there every day fighting for the right things. And, you know, they come with such a wealth of talents and experience. And I mean, they, they amaze me every single day. They, they just, uh, they're exhausting sometimes (laughs) to keep up with, but wow i mean it's just uh you know when one gets tired somebody else steps up to take their place and and, you know the last four days they were just warriors and you know we we didn't win every battle but we won a few and
0: and you have like a bench of all-stars you know like it's (laughs) it's like a small 25 person roster but it's like the hall
1: of fame game like it's the best of the best and, oh, my gosh, our one freshman legislator, Representative Pam Stevenson, oh, Colonel Pam. She's so great. She's amazing. Yeah. Just amazing to, to come into that arena with everything stacked against her. And she had a great session. She had a really, really good session. And she's the only person I could see that can really, you know, fuss at them on the floor. And they still <laughs> love her. <laughs> She does have something like
2: nurturing about the way she, she, Mm -hmm. she goes after him, you know, there's like a sense of compassion behind what she's saying. And I think the passion and compassion of what she's saying really translates. And yeah, I, it is. And I think that's something, you know, we're trying with this podcast and what we're trying to express people in Northern Kentucky is there are 25 mighty people (laughs) in Frankfurt trying to represent, know really a lot of us this is not a 90 percent republican state it just isn't Mm -hmm. and i just keep trying to tell people look at what our session would have looked at like if we would have replicated those 25 and added 26 of them right we would have had so many bills that improve the quality of life for kentuckians But that's not what we got. We got partisan BS that really doesn't impact anyone's lives. Mm-hmm. To your point, the constitutional officers, the things that they did, nobody cares about that in their day-to-day life. That doesn't improve your health and your pregnancy. That doesn't improve your quality of life at work. That doesn't improve anything for the average person. It's just power plays. And it's just so unfortunate to see that happening in Frankfurt when we're at a point where we need leadership we need boldness we need policy we need we need to evolve and that doesn't necessarily mean again this progressive utopia it just means evolving to the times that we're in and recognizing the times that we're in. And I felt like the democratic caucus did that. They put bills on the ground, no matter what was in their way, yeah. they still put those bills on the ground so people could see them. And so people like us, like Missy and I could be like, look at what you could have had, but you didn't vote for it. You have like where I live, Joe Fisher's my representative, Like what did Joe do for you? Let me show you what mm-hmm. our caucus would have done for you. And being able to model that instead of like the caucus going into their shell of defeat, like you guys were warriors and it was seen and it was appreciated and it's it's part of the pitch that we, we can make as a party to help progress this in 2022 to hopefully build up more than 25 <laughs> Democrats.
1: Well, and and just be prepared because during this interim, the caucus is dissolving into uh, organizing into work groups. So you're going to see that the women's caucus is, I just got off a a call with them. They're starting right now to uh, work on their maternal and child uh, and infant um, mortality health bill uh, and reaching out into the communities to get more community uh, voices around the table. Uh, we're going to, I uh, hope I remember all the work groups. I think we have like six or seven. We're, yes. we're, we're doing a work group on education that's going to be headed by Representative Tina Bojanowski, yes. um, the one active teacher in the General Assembly, um, looking at testing, looking at um, the um, pipeline from you know, school to prison, uh, uh, to look at uh, why, we are why we're experiencing such a brain drain. Why folks are getting educated and leaving our state? Mm-hmm. So you know they've got a huge agenda that they're looking at. Um, we have a agenda on aging. Uh, I've been looking at some of the other states, and they're they're you know aging well in Kentucky. Are, are we are we doing that? So we're we're looking at those type of things. We're looking at child welfare. Uh, we're looking at drug policy, and that's that's my personal uh, passion. Um, I did a lot of work on having had a family member that died of a heroin overdose that has become one of my big passions is um, looking at uh, the criminal justice system. Uh, Cause I think, I don't think it's a criminal justice issue. I think uh, addiction is a public health issue. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of things I'm thinking about now came about because of the Breonna Taylor case. And while, you know, the policing aspect and the the no-knock warrants were a big part of that, it also, I think, was um, a symptom of a drugged failed policy, policy, that the war on drugs has never worked. And there is so much systemic racism in where we are in policing drug use right now. So we're gonna be looking at those things. Um, We're gonna be looking at taxes, I'm trying to think if I'm missing
2: any of them. Well, I love that so. you brought up the Breonna Taylor thing, because that's something that has been mm-hmm. reeling in my head. I work with Moms mm-hmm. In Action, and we are a mm-hmm. gun violence prevention organization, yeah. and it's all about that prevention, right, and finding the root source. Yeah. And I think you're right. When I saw the Breonna Taylor case, that was what I first, went came to my head was, this Mm -hmm. is really the result of the war on drugs and racial profiling Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the carelessness that can come from decades of that attitude. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that you brought that up because I feel like that has been kind of lost in the narrative. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's something that we can help remedy without necessarily the messaging of defund the police, but more so Mm -hmm. we need to end the war on drugs. We We need to end an antiquated thing that never works. I mean, mm-hmm. since I've been alive, I don't think we've won any wars on anything, either people or drugs or, you know, like it, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like we need to end that I attitude. Mean, you
1: know, the, the number of people that we incarcerate both in jails and prisons for low level drug use, I mean, people who are in prison for marijuana use. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy that that's just economically stupid. Right. Uh, much less quality of life and disenfranchising whole populations of, of folks, um, I mean, it's, it's time. It is just time to start looking at, at, at what we're doing. And, and, you know, certainly crime follows drugs, drug sales and that type of thing. And, and um, you know, we need to be smart about that but you know putting people who are addicted into jail and prison is crazy and putting people who are recreationally using marijuana is just
2: yeah it's absurd especially when it's so the disparity between who it gets punished for recreational
0: use is the biggest problem i love how you oh sorry Go ahead, Missy. I was gonna say I love how you point out that it's just like economically irresponsible. Because um, one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show is uh, if framing and authenticity. And I really feel like especially in the Kentucky, you know, state house with the Democrats that you guys are really on a roll with this with with reframing messaging in a way that really mm-hmm. connects with voters across the aisle. Um, that was a great example of it. Uh, you have plenty of of uh, you know, legislators that are extremely authentic in who they are, like uh, Colonel Stevenson and and, and Rachel and, and you and uh, Josie and Attica. And how do you how do you feel about going forward? Is that something you guys talk about the messaging? And
1: we do. We, we, we talk about, um, you know, I mean, we, we all are are political, you know, I think I I do think most of my caucus is really interested in good policy, good government, but we're also political. And we know that we can't achieve what we want for this state when we are at 25 members, that that we need to um, be able to articulate our message, that we need to let Kentuckians know if they vote Democratic, this is what they're voting for, that they're voting for people who really care about children, that we really care about the future of the state, that we care about public education, and we want to make sure that everybody in the state has a good opportunity to be all that they want to be. We want to make sure that everyone in the state is welcome here. You know, I would tell, you know, some of our Republican colleagues when they would have these crazy crazy bills, I'm like, do you think Bill Gates wants to bring a company here? You know, when when you're when you're discriminating against people, when you're you have racist tendencies, do you think that's what the big companies are looking like? This is an economic issue in many cases. Mm-hmm it's the same argument I had with, you know, doing something about no-knock warrants. The world is looking at us. Do you think anybody wants to come here if they don't think that we're addressing this? So, you know, while on, on some, you know, in my, I guess, my true heart, it's like, let's do the right thing. Let's make sure everybody's welcome. Let's make sure everybody is safe. Everybody has opportunities. But it's also an economic issue. You know, we're competing not just with other states. We're competing, you know, globally. When, when the American Rescue Funds were coming down and there was arguments about, oh, we don't want the governor to spend it, and oh, we want to spend it our way, and I said, you know what, we can have those discussions, but we are competing with every other state in this union because everybody is getting lots of money to recover. Let's be bold and let's be smart, and let's hope that at the end of the day, the people that are looking at to perhaps relocate here said, you know what, Kentucky got everybody broadband, mm-hmm. Kentucky mm-hmm. made sure everybody in their state had clean drinking water. I said, let's look at those things and let's be very bold because I want at the end of the day, everybody to look at Kentucky and said, you know what? They took those billions of dollars and they did something with it. I love they that. made great investments. That's such, I mean, we yeah. need that. Yes.
2: <laughs> Me and Missy are over here crushing. like, we're like, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> Why don't we have more Jonies in the world? Yeah. We need 26 more. Yeah, 26 more. At least say we need 26 new yeah. friends.
1: Come on. How do
2: you feel going into 2022? So it's no secret that I'm a chair of a county party, and I'm nervous as yeah. hell. So um, I guess a more productive way of asking the question is: How do we help? What does help look like as we head into 2022?
1: Well, you know, I think for, for the first time in my uh, legislative history, the House Democrats and the Senate Democrats are working together. Uh, Leader Morgan McGarvey and I, uh, we go back a long way. I always tease him and tell him I've raised him because I've known him <laughs> since he was a teenager. Um, but we, we, we talk almost every day. And as we are going out and recruiting for the 22 elections, I'm not just looking at the House, I'm looking at House seats where there's a Senate seat uh, engaged. And you know we need to go even deeper. We need to make sure that when we have a Senate seat, that we have a great Senate um, candidate and we have good House Democrats underneath them, we gotta make sure that those county races are filled with good Democrats. Mm-hmm you know, we can't, we can't operate in a silo anymore. You know, it used to be like, we're raising money for the house and we're not concerned about the Senate. We're just doing, you know, house, it's gotta be all up and down that ticket. Um, I I think that's the only way we can be successful. So uh, Morgan and I are, are raising money together. We're recruiting candidates together and um, you know, we've, we've got to be sensible about it because we're never going to have as much money as a Republican. So we have to, you know, spend yeah. our money very wisely and we need to target seats that we have a chance. Um, but somebody recently said, you know, there's a science to this, but there's also everything else. And sometimes you just come across a candidate that even if it's a district that you don't think a Democrat can win, that might be the only person that could in that mm-hmm. district. So we're open to that. Uh, we're working with Emerge, um, and and looking at some of their graduates. We're working with labor, Great. Um, you know, to to you know, and for the need for more labor folks, uh, working folks in the the uh, house. I think are really really important, but um, you know, uh, you can help by organizing your county well, uh, by letting us know uh, if there are. Uh, uh, Prospective candidates for House or Senate, or even d- up and down the ticket, uh, we want to make sure that that's that everybody is working in coordination together on that, yeah. um, and and doing things like this so that that people see, oh, that's what a Democrat looks like. That's yeah. what a Democrat's
2: Hey, like. we only have one head, believe it or not.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, and I think that's you know been a mission. Uh, you know, I'm in a small mm-hmm. city, and that's been part of my mission is like mm-hmm. to pull the Democrats out of the closet. I keep saying I feel like you know I'm back in the '90s when people were gay and scared to admit that they were gay. Like yeah. we have so many Democrats that just you know, what well, my dad, if he knew I voted Democrat, he'll never forgive me. And I can't do this, and I can't do that, and. And it is part of showing people that Democrats are, we don't have horns. We aren't like some evil. Yes. We do want to deliver you good health care that you can afford. That is true. Yes. We want your kids to get a good education, but to a point that you brought up earlier, stay and use that Mm -hmm. education to make Kentucky a better place and not be because they don't feel like it's an inclusive place to be i mean that's really and i think that's where we connect is our values and those one-to-one conversations um but to your point we really have to find those you know authentic good candidates that can represent our voice and to really make people say wait it's not bad to vote for this person this is
0: normally when i would go on a senate candidate um rant and i will not do that this time (laughs)
1: Yes. But, you know, in, in my district, I, I I am in a, in a, a Democratic district. Um, but, you know, most of the Republicans here support me. And so many of them will say to me, well, if all Democrats were like you. And I'm like, they are. Yeah, <laughs> they're exactly like me. They 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 want jobs for ev- they want everybody to have a job. But you know what? They want that job to be one that people can can live on, that that they only have to have one job and that they can raise their family. And, you know, I'm old. I'll be 63 in December. You know, when I was growing up, some of the folks that I went to school with, their dads bagged groceries at winn or Kroger. And you know what? They bagged groceries and stock shelves, and they still made enough money to raise their families. Yeah. And we need to, you know, we need to go back to that. We need to go back to that, that if everybody works full time, anybody that works full time, I don't care what they do, they should be able to have a decent living. They should be able to feed their kids, pay their electric bill and maybe 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 go on a vacation every once in a while. Yeah. Um, I think most people believe that.
2: It's the human dignity. It's 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 bringing mm-hmm. dignity back to our lives. Yeah. And I agree. I always think about it like my grandfather, you know, he was part of the greatest generation. He retired at, he worked as a postal s- serviceman and my Mm -hmm. grandmother was in and out of work. They retired at 55. And when they passed, I mean, we, we were very low, low, low middle class in in LA to say the least.
1: (laughs) And when
2: my grandmother passed away, there was a little bit of money left. And I'm like, how did they do that? Like, how, how Mm -hmm. was she able to live for 92 years Mm -hmm. and retire at 55? Like I'm going to be working until like I'm going to be dying while working. Like, I mean, I don't see a path for mm-hmm. my generation or generations before me. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. true for people older than me too. Like that's just a, mm-hmm. the American
1: dream and that idea is dead. Well, when when you see that 70-year-old woman working at the Walgreens, she's not working cuz she wants to get out of the house. Right. Yeah. Exactly you know, and, and, and that shouldn't happen. That should not happen. No, we have teenagers um,
2: competing with seven-year-olds for jobs because seven-year-olds can't mm-hmm. retire and teenagers want work mm-hmm. experience. It's insane. Like mm-hmm. it is, and mm-hmm.
1: nobody's getting paid. But nobody's getting paid. And, you know, we're, we're chipping away at pensions. Yep. So, you know, people can't live independently. Um, it, it's, it. you know, economically it doesn't work. And eventually we're going to see that it doesn't right. work.
2: I mean, we're seeing the fallout of the the trickle down economic theories of the '80s. Yeah. It didn't work, and and now we have 25 powerhouses down in Frankfurt with all these subcommittees trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, and that's why we need more of you. You guys can't yes. you can't save the Commonwealth alone. Like you you need the army, um, and it just it's just hard to build it when we have, especially with the national narratives feeding into our mm-hmm. commonwealth, mm-hmm. that's completely irrelevant to us, you mm-hmm. know? And I think it's just hard for people and that's mostly media though.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I think maybe we've not done a good job of listening. Uh, Morgan and I plan to travel throughout the state to areas where, you know, Democrats not the most popular thing to be, but we, instead of telling people, you know, you know, telling people what they should think, we're gonna do a lot of listening and and find out, you know, I really think, you know, that um, the people that live in Eastern Kentucky and the people that live in my district in Shively have a lot of things in common. You know, I think most people um, want their kids to do better than they did. They want their kids to go to school. No, they, <clears throat> they don't want them to, to go to UK or L and not come back. Um, they, they, you know, want good uh, public ad for their kids. They, they think every, they really do think everybody should have health care. Yeah. I mean, that's an issue that, but yet, you know, they'll say that, and then um, the Republicans will, you know, float guns and gays yeah. and abortion, and it completely diverts their attention. Yeah. Most of those things are not going to affect their daily life. It's not going to affect whether or not their kids get a job or their kids get into school. Uh, but they get so diverted by those, those emotional issues. Mm. Uh, so, you know, talking uh, in ways that they understand that these are issues that af- affect your life, that um, can really make a big difference in your day to day life, rather than those issues that are, are probably never going to affect you.
0: I love that you guys are doing this, you know, this like listening tour across the or across yeah. the state, because I feel like, you know, they do throw out those that messaging, you know, the most liberal <laughs> progressive in the world. And it'll be like some like moderate Democrat, uh, but I I feel like as soon as you meet someone and you talk to them, like it's so much easier to like break down those barriers and those walls.
1: Yep. You know, Robert Stavers refers to me as the Nancy Pelosi of Kentucky, which <laughs> I don't think he realizes that I'm like really complimented by that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I wore the Nancy Pelosi of Kentucky. I wish. Yeah. Can her. we see you like rip up one of
0: his speeches or something? <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> you you got to get that good shade that shade look going, yeah. you know. You like Nancy is like mastered. Clap. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy is but it is funny how they try to tie us to national politics because yeah. you know it's like Do you guys really think Joni's out in California sipping martinis with Nancy? Come on. Like she's, (laughs) she's hanging out with her cats, working on the garden, making her parents food, (laughs) delivering them meals.
0: Like, I mean, that's, that's who you are, right? You You guys don't even get paid enough to go on vacation to California. (laughs) (laughs) I've been to California
2: once. <laughs> it was to meet Nancy, huh? And have that martini. <laughs> it was to meet
1: Nancy and get my hair, get my hair done in a closed <laughs> shop. Don't
2: worry. Someone will Photoshop that picture for you once your That's seat's true. competitive. I actually had a question about you, uh, your, your past uh-huh. election. So I was, I was looking through your, your running history. Um, uh-huh. And you have been unimposed most of your career, which I bet that's like a hallelujah, saving grace in life. Is, um, but I it had is. questions and I don't know if you're comfortable getting into it. this Gail flower. Is it Fowers? Fla- yeah. Powers. Oh, powers, powers. Yeah. So she, she tried to run against you in 2010 and was disqualified. And then she came mm-hmm. back in 2012 and I guess was qualified. And then you, mm-hmm. you destroyed her. Um, is, what, was up with that? Was it just the Republicans decided they wanted to run a
1: seat there finally, or, you was know, it her? I, I don't no, I don't think she was recruited by the Republicans to run. Uh, and she ran the first time she ran, uh, her papers were filled out incorrectly. Okay. So she was thrown off the ballot and then, you know, that made her really, really mad. So she came back and ran again, and um, you know we're we're just um, very very different people. We have very very different ideas, and and I think my ideas more more reflective of this district. Yeah. So you just know your district, you good rep. But I will say, you know, I have been unopposed a lot, and I've had very successful. But my first primary, I won by ten votes. So wow. Um, wow. You know that was a it was a, a three that was an open seat. Uh, Senator David Yates' grandpa had the seat before me and he retired. So it was an open seat and there was no general election. There was only a primary. And um, at the end of the night, I won by 10 votes. That's incredible. So don't let anyone ever tell you your vote does not count. Yes. Because um, look at the, the powerhouse to- we
0: have 20 yeah. plus years <laughs> later because of that. Well, now I have a super personal question. Oh, right. no. What's your favorite movie? <laughs>
1: Oh gosh, I am not a movie person. Isn't that awful? Yeah, it's awful. You're busy. I barely go. If I go, if I go to the movies, I fall asleep. Um, let's see. Some things that I, that, oh gosh. Um, one of my favorites is uh, Being There, which is a really old Peter Sellers Oh, yeah. That okay. It is a good yeah. one. I haven't political thought of that movie. in a while. It's a political movie. Yeah. I watched that recently again. I need to watch that. It was funny yesterday. I had the TV on in the morning. I'd been gardening and then was, go- was doing some work in the afternoon, but I had an old movie channel on and Butterfield 8 came on, which was an old Elizabeth Taylor movie. And I sat down to watch a little bit of it because I used to watch it with my grandma and I'm like, she's a hooker. <laughs> my grandma knows she was a hooker? Gosh. So I, I like, um, I like political movies um, and I like, you know, like funny, silly things. Too. Have
0: you ever seen a uh, uh, Bullworth with Warren Beatty? yes oh yes God. that's good I that's love a good that one line. that's a classic
1: you know the, the candidate with robert redford oh, yes. is, is oh. his favorite That is good. and and the candidates
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh with will Farrow. oh that was a um, funny one
2: i forgot yeah. about that one that was, that was, a, was funny a good one.
1: one my whole family my whole family went to see that and my niece who's like 30 had to sit in a, didn't have to but was sitting next to my grandma and she kept saying awkward, <laughs> <laughs> awkward. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh those are those are good ones though i mean i guess we're all political nuts so it's hard not to yeah. go back to to that in our pop culture
1: what's your favorite movies uh,
2: casablanca for me i just i'm obsessed with oh, it yeah you, you you're romantic you're such a hopeless romantic yeah. well my puppy is bogart like i love Aww. humphrey yeah I don't, mine, mine are all political. It's between American History X and Malcolm X. They both end in X, So they tie and always, (laughs) but um, those were Malcolm X. I remember when I saw that I was inappropriately young um, because my parents Mm -hmm. didn't filter things like that. And it just had a huge impact on who I ended up Mm -hmm. being and the way I perceived the world. And it opened my eyes to a lot of things that, you know, I just, didn't think about prior um and i will say denzel should have gotten the oscar for that movie, um but they paid him back for an awful movie i don't know it was like training day or yeah he got or for training day, traffic day or yeah. something but um i feel like that was a payback like upon reflection people were like that was a really oh. good movie um and so <laughs> he got paid back so that'd probably be on my top list
0: <laughs> how many pets do you have
1: Well, I have four inside kitties. That's Kalinda. Oh, she left. Okay, Kalinda. um, And then I have uh, two tabbies, Bernie and Hillary. (laughs) Do they get along? Do they get along? (laughs) (laughs) They do. But it's. it's, um, I had. I had. My cat of 19 years passed away, Winona, in 2016, and so I sought out a. I sought out Kalinda. And then my sister-in-law's sister in Indiana, barn cat had cats. So I went over and they were all tabbies and they picked, uh, I, they were little. So I picked two um, and took them to the vet. Didn't know if they were boys or girls. And once a boy and once a girl. And they were 1.6 pounds, both of oh, them. Wow, Bernie now is 19.9 <laughs> and Hillary's like around nine pounds. And then a couple of years ago, I, um, was feeding. I feed some kitties on the back porch. I feed them cheap Kroger food and they keep the bunnies out of my garden. And this little tortoise shell um, came up to the porch and she was really, really friendly. So I took her to the vet to have her spayed. I I use uh, either alley cats or just take her to my, take them to my personal, if they're going to be outside cats. The the vet shamed me, pet shamed me and said that that she was um, obviously had been dumped or lost, that she really wasn't feral. And so ruthie begins per join the family Aww, that's amazing great names and, and now on the back porch i have three orange cats um joe biden <laughs> uh, who's, who's the most consistent he, he has a little warm house that he's and he he's there all the time that, and that then, sounds very joe biden like yeah. i know he's yeah, just you yeah, know fit the name he's he's, he's yeah, he's, you know, just kind of hanging out. And then there's another orange one that I call crazy. I named him Buddy, but Buddy Wheatley didn't like that I named him. <laughs> <laughs> so he looked like Buddy the Elf, but he's he's kind of crazy. And then there's another orange one I call the Cheetos. <laughs> that's awesome and they keep the they keep the bunnies out of my lettuce so you know it's a quid
2: pro quo so how big is this garden I see you post about it on Facebook and I am oh. like an amateur garden person um that really sucks at it but I try I keep thinking each year I'll get better yeah. and I feel like I'm kind of regressing on that mission um but how how big of a garden do you have like what's this operation well, you have
1: I have I have eight four-by-four four raised beds. Wow. Oh God. Uh, so each one of them has something different. Right now out there are snap peas and kale. Um, I have some volunteer tomatoes that came up from last year. And then I bought some tomato plants and peppers and corn. Uh, and then I, I'll, I'll uh, do pole beans and, and bush beans and cucumbers.
2: So are you a big canner? And, like, do you can a no, lot?
1: So you just no, use it, it fresh? I use it fresh and a few things I'll freeze. Um, and then I used to, I used to only grow things you eat, but then I got really interested in bees. So I have behind that, I have, um, a, a fairly large area that's, uh, wild and things that attract butterflies and bees. Oh, cool. It's not really pretty. It's real green right now, but, um, watch my Facebook cause you know, in a, month or so I'll be posted. It's gorgeous.
2: Just yeah, no, that sounds, cool. I, I, I really want to become good. I keep convincing myself that gardening, there's only a certain amount of time in a year you can
1: perfect that art. So I just need more years. Yeah, <laughs> And, you know, I mean, going out and pulling up weeds is, is really great when you're frustrated or That's true. Really, <laughs> that's true. It really is good therapy for me. Yeah.
2: Too bad the session is in winter. So you can't go like, get your rage out on your garden, (laughs) the weeds. Well, post session, I did a lot
1: of weeding, you know, (laughs) to get them ready. And it, I should have said this, I should have said that.
2: That must be a common problem as a, as a representative and legislator, right? (laughs) Like how many times you leave that floor? Like, why didn't I say that? That was such a good point that I
1: missed. Well, yeah, I'm a very internal processor. You know, some people process by talking. I do it very internally. And so that's been a real challenge for me because as floor leader, you have to respond, you know, right away. So I had to let go of being perfect and, you know, saying the perfect thing. Um, So that's been, that's been, you know, a challenge for me is that I can't believe I just said that.
2: but that's good i mean you have the experience to have the confidence to just say it i think you've been doing this long enough i think you should have the confidence to just say it but you're also coming on the heels of rocky who was i mean he just he he's like he's good at it right like he's good Uh off the cuff so
0: i'm sure that's intimidating too when you're coming off the heels of it whenever he speaks i feel like i'm buying something at an auction
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I, for, for most of my career, he was the floor leader, first the majority and then minority. And and almost every caucus was kind of like, you know, halftime at a at a ball game. <laughs> There's no IN team. Come on, get out there. Let's, you know. I, I don't quite have that same cred with my caucus.
2: <laughs> no, he does have a way about him though. I'm always like, hey, we should like, invite Rocky up here to yell at us and get us motivated.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, he's been, he's been, really, really helpful to me. He's been very good about, you know, when we've had a bad day on the floor, call me up and saying, oh, y'all were so good. And this was good. And I'm so glad y'all did that. And, um Cause you know, there've been some days you, you felt like you left it
2: all <laughs> I'm sure that's good to know that he's as good of a person as we thought yeah. he was. I mean, he, yeah, he's he a is. solid human along. I mean, again, people listening, Democrats are cool. Like we're nice people. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason we want rainbows and unicorns and (laughs) glitter to just fill the world. Well, glitter is bad for the environment. So I'll just say paper confetti. But still, I mean, we have really good Democrats. I mean, even Andy, like our governor has been proven. I mean, he is a great leader. And I think he represents Mm -hmm. that vulnerable, compassionate leadership that we really need to get into style again. Right. And I don't know if we've ever really
1: had that. You know, making decisions based on facts, making mm-hmm. decisions based on data, listening to the experts, yeah. and you know, I know that throughout this pandemic, there were there were people got frustrated, people got you know, I always said you know they have COVID fatigue mm-hmm. and and people, but to have somebody that had that strength to even when it wasn't popular say no this is what the experts are telling us this is and and if we air we're going to air on the side of keeping people safe um you know i shudder to think what would happen if we had this this past administration in charge yeah you know i think all of us would be dead yes um Mm -hmm. So you know you can't argue with our numbers. Our numbers were much better than other states, and and yes, people made sacrifices. There, there were a lot of sacrifices made. There were people that lost their businesses. There were people who lost jobs, and you know we need to take this money coming from the federal government to try to get people um, back on track and and to make up for some of those sacrifices. But um, I it's um, I think I think the governor did an excellent job, and and we were very very committed to being good role models for that as well That yeah. you know i i think it's really hard for you to find during that period of time a picture of a, a democrat house member without a mask on um not social distancing yeah um it was it was a priority for all of us to be good role. Models. i
2: mean i felt yeah. that way just as a member of the the party and at the county level mm-hmm. is that we have an obligation to set that example and to show that all of us are making sacrifices. Can't say you're in it together. I mean, look what Gavin Newsom did, right? Um, right. You can't go to a cocktail party in the middle of a pandemic um, okay. when we're sacrificing so much without some blowback. Yeah. And I think it was genuine though. I think all of us wanted to save lives and want to do the right thing cool. because this is a historic moment and history will have its eyes on us. And mm-hmm. I think uh, Governor Beshear will will, be in those history books is making mm-hmm. a lot of hard right decisions um but it also was supported by having strong democrats to support him and i think
1: he mm-hmm. knew he had that support from all of us well and i'm and i'm now in the the i don't know if we're post pandemic yet but as we're as we're heading uh to post pan uh, pandemic i'm like i don't want to give up my mask yet yeah. i really, <laughs> like I'm not. I'm I'm not ready yet. (laughs) I enjoy
0: not having a cold every year. This was great.
1: I know. You know. Usually, coming out of session, everybody's sick. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody has a cold or the flu or viruses. This is the healthiest I've been for a long Mm -hmm. time. Uh, So, and and I will say, not a single member of my caucus got sick. Uh, I can't say the same for the other caucus. Of course, there's more of them, but um you know they had more they had more hospitals well we had no hospitalizations but you know they had folks in the hospital they had folks sick and we did not have a single caucus member sick yeah well they had
0: an excellent strategy you know let's just keep everything open and also get as many people sick as possible (laughs) so
2: well then the herd (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's what that's what's happening i mean that's what's going on uh we are
0: are you a music person
1: Oh, a little bit, but it's you know like eighties rock and roll.
0: Okay, so do you Ooh, have- rock and roll though? I like that. What's your favorite band or singer?
1: Oh gosh, Sam like a uh, uh, John Mellencamp, okay. uh, Bruce Springsteen. You know, when I'm going to Frankfurt, that's what I listen to.
2: Have you uh, listened to Bruce's podcast with Brock? No, I need to do that. Have you listened? to Yeah, any? I only listened to one, and I think it was like yeah. what was it was about. Um, fatherhood or the pandemic or something along those lines. and yeah. it was it was adorable. You, you, you'll you love, love it. It was so cute. like oh, wow. he ta- he talks I'll say one thing that he talks about, but just how they truly locked down like most of the country, mm-hmm. except for this mm-hmm. little stretch of states that you know, we don't get COVID apparently. Um, but mm-hmm. he was saying how it was great for him because he gave up so many of those fundamental years with his his daughters to be president, Um, but when COVID hit, they all dropped out of school and moved home with him. Mm -hmm. And so he, it's just cute listening to him talk about like roaming around the house, like, hey guys. Like, cause for the first time, like all of them are unemployed. (laughs) <laughs> and his kids are in school. And so basically he just walking around the house, like annoying the hell out of his daughters. And it was just adorable <laughs> listening to him talk about it. It just, you know, goes to show what an amazing human he is. So I would at least recommend that episode. Um, that's the one I've gotten to, but it's a, it's a good podcast. It's nice to hear him again, to say the least.
1: I've been walking. Uh, I've decided that I should take better care of myself so I've been walking in the mornings and listening to hidden brain that's a good one inf- I yeah, love like that that one. that's kind of that's kind of my like right, right now it's like okay if I'm going to listen to hidden brain I gotta go put my tennis <laughs> shoes on and go walk for a while so
0: what is the best way for people to follow you or get in touch with you <sighs> <sighs> I feel like everybody- not while you're walking in your neighborhood but just like generally on that
1: <laughs> well they do th- they do that some <laughs> at the groger or you on know, the frozen food sometimes. Um <laughs> the Edamame. You know, uh, call the office. Uh I I, I retreat a lot on Twitter. I don't tweet a whole lot. And my Facebook, everybody likes my Facebook, but it's, you know, it's not very political. It's like, here's my garden, here's my cats.
2: I think that's why I like it though, because I yeah. feel like I watch you on the floor. I mean, I know what you're doing in Frankfurt yeah. um, because what because I'm plugged in but so I kind of yeah. like seeing the personal side of our legislators and our representatives so I
1: think that's a good a good and, thing and and if you if you if you want cinnamon bread you know in November and December you know hit me up because I make you know hundreds of loaves of oh my cinnamon god bread, we are so. in
2: yes totally <laughs> Missy and I will be in Louisville uh sometime in the fall yes.
0: uh, and we'll hang out and drink, eat some of your cinnamon okay. bread. gluten allergy that's be damned evolution. I will sneeze for that
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. oh
0: gosh well please come to northern kentucky uh we would love to see you up here we need more people to come up here and make us feel like we're important so we can get more democrats involved uh, yeah well
1: you know we've we've uh rachel and i have talked about you know doing some kind of event up there to raise awareness raise a little bit of money and uh so i think you'll see me in northern kentucky you know my relatives were lived in northern kentucky nice. so it's uh, I had a, a a great aunt that had a restaurant up there. Oh, where at? So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> 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 I have to find out what the name of it was. I'll have to ask my dad the name of it. And then my other great uncle was the um, principal of uh, Highlands.
2: Oh, okay. that's where I live. That's, I'm in yeah. Fort Thomas.
1: A hundred years ago. That was a hundred years ago. Well,
2: yeah. then he's probably still like a, a god in this town. Like, yeah. we're, we're like... We define conservative in the sense that we conserve. Like, (laughs) tradition is, like, everything is tradition. Every logo, every banner, everything Mm -hmm. is tradition and people will say oh you remember in 1915 when i'm like no nobody remembers in 1915 what was happening in fort thomas but i've only been here 12 years so apparently i need to log more time to get that history down but
1: highlands was still a great school then so he must have been yeah, exceptional yeah. at his job it was uh, austin durham and that a cool name that's kind a of a, name. Cool name. That is a cool name so we have. When I was a kid, we used to visit there a lot. Oh, cool. Well, make sure uh,
2: to stay in touch and to come up here. Okay. We want to see you and we need you to help us recruit candidates so we can get people off the sidelines. We have a lot of people that are mm-hmm. on the fence. So I'll be in touch with you, Jenny. Um, okay, but great.
1: uh And, and, and as we're rolling out our, you know, our agendas from our work groups, I'll let you know, and you might want to have some of those folks that are involved, and to talk about it, because I think we're going to have some amazing agendas coming out. Well, and I
2: do think that's part of winning in 2022 is really building mm-hmm. the visual of what people get as a result of it. Not the mm-hmm. people, not the, but what is the actual output you're going to get okay. by voting for Democrats in 2022? Because okay. I think a lot of people, especially in a more conservative area, like where we are, a lot of people are like, what the heck did they do all year? You know, and it's like, that's what we're trying to say, nothing, but this is what Democrats would have done. Like, these are all the bills they introduced. This is what we'd be working on right now. We would have recreational marijuana we would have Mm -hmm. we would have maternal health bills we would have sports betting yes we would have sports betting we would have revenue let's just be honest we would have Mm -hmm. multiple types of revenue coming into the state Mm -hmm. we'd make ourselves more attractive for you know it's not just keeping our kids here once they're educated but it's bringing Mm -hmm. in those people you know Mm -hmm. here in since because we're a suburb of cincinnati this was a major problem that i saw because i lived in cincinnati for a couple years when i moved from university of kentucky when I finished. I came back up here, and we lived in Cincinnati. And a lot of what Cincinnati was working on that we're now seeing the fruits of that labor was Procter and Gamble, Kroger, all of these huge corporations were like, nobody will come and work for us because Cincinnati is just a hole. You know, there's nothing to do here. There's no real reason to live here, and it took corporations it took people it took politicians it took everyone uniting in that cause to really make it an attractive place to come and now Cincinnati's wonderful i mean we have great things here and it's it, and it's easier to recruit and i think that that is you know we we need that in Kentucky we need to be thinking that What in 10 years from now is going to make people want to build a business here? You know, my husband actually, before I got on this call said, can you convince her to tell me that like, it's worth fighting for? (laughs) Cause I'm getting tired. Uh, And so maybe we should end it on that pitch of why should we stay and fight for it?
1: Oh, you know, Kentucky's worth fighting for. There, there are great people here. We have great resources. You know, we we have a beautiful state. We have a beautiful state physically. Yes. Um, more running water than any other state, but Alaska. If I'm ever on Jeopardy, I'm going to use Ooh, that. Nice. Um, but you know that water needs to be clean. Yep. And um, you know the, the when when I travel around and I meet people, I just find the best people. I mean. I don't understand sometimes why they vote against their own interests, but, you know, people from Eastern Kentucky, uh, my dad's from Eastern Kentucky. So, you know, that's kind of an, an in for me, but they love, they love, love, love their, their area of the state. And, and no matter where you go, people have a great pride in, in this state. And, um, it is worth fighting for. Um, we, there's so much opportunity here. There's, um, there's just so much that could be done. And, and, you know, I worry about, you know, um, having folks as we cut retirements and we cut wages, I worry about, you know, folks that are going to spend their last years here. Um, not in the best way that they could, that, that they're going to be, you know, on public assistance, which is not the worst thing in the world, but, um, we deserve better. Yeah. If you don't have, to, they be. deserve better. They deserve better. Yeah. You know, people that, you know, worked, yeah. People that worked hard all their lives and want independence, um, you know, Kentuckians are independent, um, uh, they're resourceful. Um, so there there's so many good things about our state. Um uh, are all you know, all of us are here for a reason. We could be other places mm-hmm. if we wanted to be. But you know, I believe in, in this community. I love my community. You know, the mm-hmm. other day I was talking about Shively and Shively 60 years ago was a place that uh was a white flight neighborhood and people left the city of Louisville and came to um uh, white people came to Shively and you know what? We are now in 2021, we are one of the most diverse communities in the state of Kentucky. We have an African-American woman as our mayor. Um, We have a a council that has, I think three African-American women, one African-American man and one white guy, one good white guy thrown in there. (laughs) And something like 50 years ago, um, a black family moved here and they bombed his house. So we've come a long way, and if Shively can do it, the rest of Kentucky can do it as well. Absolutely, perfect note to end on because yes. we can
2: do it. It's just going to be hard. It it. It's not going to be easy, but the most rewarding things in life are always the
1: hardest, right? And you know, um, I can't do it myself. My caucus can't do it themselves. We need help from Kentuckians who really care about this country, this uh, state, and want better for their neighbors, better for their children. And together we can get this done. And it's yeah. now or
2: never, right? Like
1: right. they're
2: they're starting right. to mess with the constitutional officers' roles. Mm-hmm. They're starting, I mean, they're just digging the hole deeper. So we we yeah. can't we can't set one out. We can't back down. We we got a full Pedal to the metal. I mean, we have to. We need everyone
1: off the sidelines. Everybody needs to cowboy up. Yep,
0: it is time to cowboy up. I like that. We are ready to get to work for you. Uh, Let us know if we can help with anything. And when you come up here, we're just going to promote the shit out of that.
1: Yep. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope to talk to you soon and get some of my fabulous caucus members on this podcast because this has been
2: so much oh, fun. Yes, no, we we're working on it. Yeah. So, you thank, to- you yes. so much, <laughs> thank you so much, Joni. Thank you so much. It's good right. seeing you. Thank you all. Y'all have a day. Bye, Bye, Joni.
1: You wanna hot body, you
0: wanna boot body,
1: you wanna muscle buddy? You better work, bitch. You wanna in my martinis, look hot in a bikini. You better
0: work, bitch. You wanna live fancy, live a big mansion, party in France. You better work, bitch. You better work, bitch. You better work, bitch. You better work, bitch.